0: Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening to Three Guys in Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. The goal for you I'll recite in verse Return the jewel and lift the curse. If you wish to leave the game, you must save Jumanji and call out its name. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from the jungles of Jumanji and inside Alan Parrish's old hut, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John.
2: There's some pretty big mosquitoes around here.
1: I know, I see those, but do you see that margarita maker?
2: Oh, I'm pretty excited for that sucker. <laughs> All right.
1: And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello, everybody.
2: How are you guys doing tonight?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Frustrated. Why?
2: Because apparently I didn't get a memo. Oh,
1: no, 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 no. You got the memo, bud.
2: Well, apparently I didn't read the memo. Okay,
1: well then, I. who do we blame for that, my good sir?
2: Because what the listener should know is... While you guys prepared for and watched Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, I watched and prepared the notes for Jumanji 1995 original version. I don't know what to tell you. How was that? It was nice going back in time and watching the old movie. I loved me some Robin Williams. Oh, how could
1: you not, right? It kind of changed, I mean, it was revolutionary for its time. Yeah. With the CG and and everything yep. and I, I really enjoy the original. I do.
2: I, I will say that uh, the fact that they were just really starting with CGI, it doesn't hold up as well these no, days when you watch it. Know. It looks yeah, pretty I've, cheesy. Yeah,
1: I, I've seen it in the recent years, and uh, I even watched it again when this came out in 2017, and you're right. I mean, it, it's more of a nostalgia factor at this mm-hmm. point. So mm-hmm. Jumanji comes to us from the Bronco helmet, which was selected by the professor. Uh, do we know who put Jumanji in the helmet? Yeah, I do. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Jeff. And why did Jeff put Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle into the helmet?
0: Jeff and I, we were talking about how you know enjoyable this movie is. He's like, "How come you guys haven't reviewed that yet?" Oh, and another point, he's my brother.
1: I want to thank Jeff for throwing this into the Bronco helmet. We appreciate it. Uh, this is for you. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Yeah.
2: Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>
1: Released on December 20th, 2017, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was directed by Jake Kasdan. Screenplay by Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Scott Rosenberg, and Jeff Pinkner. And it stars Dwayne Johnson, Karen Gillian, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Nick Jonas, and a bunch of other actors.
2: How this movie do, Don?
1: This movie was made for a hundred and fifty million and brought in nine
0: hundred and ninety-five million dollars. So that amount, that's a that's all. Uh, that's largely because of you know the rental sales. That first year, it only made one hundred and seventy-two million dollars, and you know that's respectable. It was, it was uh, number seventeen on the box office for that year and uh it did quite well it was 12 weeks in the uh top 10 interestingly enough you know what other movie was released at the same time as jumanji in 2007 same same weekend and it spent 11
1: weeks in the top 10 i'm going to say it was a marvel movie yes or no no oh fuck me i don't know the greatest showman Oh, <laughs> nobody asked me. Uh, he asked both of us. You just got to jump in there, guy.
0: You, you're not going to get an invitation. So the, uh, the, the the 17th ranking at 172 million, The Greatest Showman was at 55 with 49 million. Wow. wow. Well, it's
1: safe to say that I would easily watch this over The Greatest Showman any day of the week. And twice on Sundays.
2: So, the author of this movie, uh, he, or I mean, the author of the book, the original children's book, he wrote another story that was made into a movie, a popular children's movie.
0: Willy Wonka. Misery. Polar Express. Oh, cool.
2: So, I thought that was kind of cool that this, that author did both these movies.
1: Yeah, that's fucking fantastic. I like that.
0: I seem to recall a little bit of backstory about that. I remember that the author was disgruntled about how Jumanji was treated on screen, and he was steadfast in how uh, the Polar Express was going to be expressed on screen. That he had a lot more uh, direct involvement in say in how his story was to be interpreted. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood man. Um, did you guys see this in the theater? You know, I don't know.
2: I'm betting I did. I don't remember exactly, but 2017, I definitely would have gone and seen a rock. Seen a rock movie in the theater? Oh,
0: really? absolutely!
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I I
2: loved about everything he was in. There's only a few exceptions. I still love everything he's in. You can put
1: the rock in a fucking box, and I'll watch it.
2: I didn't care for Walk Tall. I think that was one of the few ones I didn't care about.
1: Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Um, but yeah, I I saw this in the theater, and I loved it. That's I a- am I am probably a, uh, going to take some shit for this, but I think it's better than the original. I'm I'm with you on that, and it's no disrespect to the original. I mean, obviously, we couldn't have what we have without it. Maybe, but the the characters are in this are just so much more lovable, and it, it's funny. And uh, the original Robin Williams is kind of carrying everybody, and in this yeah. one, everyone holds their own. Yeah, and it, we'll get into that in a sec. But that's you know that's what
2: I was thinking. Well, let's just cover the elephant in the game uh, real quickly. Uh, Some people have debated, and I don't think there's any debate really to it, is that this is a sequel to the original and not a remake of the original. Uh, The examples that are given in the movie is that one, uh, in the beginning of the movie, the board game is washed up on a beach, just like in the first movie, they throw the the board game into the water and it washes up on a French beach, Uh, this time... It's taken like 40 years, and now it's washed back in America on the beach. So that is partly part of the sequel. The second part is when they get into the Jumanji game and get into the jungle and get to that treehouse, or that little treehouse area, uh, Alan Parrish's name is actually carved into one of the banisters, so it's obvious that he was there. Uh, The third thing, and I thought this was kind of interesting, is did you catch the Martha reference? No. In the original Jumanji movie, uh, when we get to meet Judy and Peter's parents, his mother is named Martha. In this movie, one of the young ladies in the movie is named Martha. So, coincidence that they both are named Martha? Yes. Okay.
0: I thought all the way through that it wasn't a sequel, but that's just how I felt.
1: I, I can see why it would be considered a sequel. And I guess technically it. it... It could be. I mean, you're right. The the board game is the same and, and typically in sequels we look for characters to carry through, but in this particular series, the board game is what is the through line. I would call the next one with the rock and Aquafina the next level. That is definitely a sequel. I would definitely call that a sequel to this one. Uh a reimagining. No, eh, I, I think it's more in line with the sequel. Well, so
2: the biggest reason why it is actually a sequel is because of the writers, and the directors. They have said in interviews that they did not want to take away from Robin Williams's, uh, basically what he did with the first movie. So they couldn't imagine doing a remake of, you know, overlapping what he did. Instead, they wanted this to be a sequel so that it could be part of his legacy.
0: Oh sure, sure. I can appreciate that point because uh, the this trio. You have uh, Jake and Chris and Eric, the the two writers and the director. They do several works together, and the, and they seem to be a merry little trio because they also did uh, the Spider-Man movies. You know, Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, No Way Home, and they also did Ant-Man and the Wasp, and and they also did the Lego Batman. So I, I feel like that this little trio, they they definitely have. Uh, a history together where they are thoughtful in what they try to put out.
1: Oh, sure. And this movie I thought was very smartly written and uh, the dialogue is very witty and it's uh, the banter between the characters. I mean, it all just worked. It all just kind of fell Agreed. into place and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, so let's talk about this cast first and foremost. Let's talk about Jack Black. What'd you guys think of Jack Black?
0: I love Jack Black. He's awesome in this.
1: He's awesome in almost
0: everything he does. I don't have too many other contexts for him. First place I always go is School of Rock. And then after School of Rock, then I go to King Kong. And then after King Kong, then I go to Tropic Thunder. Sure. And, and, and that's about where it ends.
1: Have you ever seen Be Kind, Rewind? Uh uh-uh. That's a great movie. It's on Max, uh, him, and most Def. It's a fun little comedy. If you
0: want to get
2: to the real Jack Black, or kind of who he who he is and who he wants to be, watch The Pick of Destiny. Uh, the Tenacious D. The Tenacious D movie, because first and foremost, I think his heart lies in music, rock and roll, and his band Tenacious
0: D. The wife has spent a lot of time with Tenacious D. She has a big soft spot for that.
2: Has she seen him live? No. I actually got to go to a convention one time that they brought in Tenacious D to play, and Jack Black... Whether he's on the screen or he is doing his Tenacious D He's just being him. He is so
0: much fun and so lovable. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, Karen Gillian, Nebula herself.
0: What would you think? That's the only other place I know her for, really. <gasps> the wife loves her for Doctor Who. I say, you break my heart if you don't mention Doctor I Who. don't do Who. Who doesn't do the Who? And so, yeah, the only other place I really have her for is, you know, Marvel. She is
2: probably... For Doctor Who's fans, she is up there in the top three best companions. Kevin Hart? I like Kevin Hart in a lot of things, but there's only so much Kevin Hart I can take. Because he, again, he's one of those actors who's been a little bit tight cast and plays the same character every single time. And it's a lot like his own stand up comedy. Um, So, yeah, I do find him funny, but after a while, I think he gets a little grating. What do you think?
1: Oh, I love him. I'll watch Kevin Hart in almost anything. I think his stand-ups are hilarious, and his mannerisms and his comedic timing is key. Uh, And when he's paired with The Rock, I think that's just like a dynamic duo. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Ken, you got a preference on him? The only way I know Kevin Hart outside of Jumanji is through interviews on late-night shows. I haven't seen any other Kevin Hart movie besides Jumanji's. Well, you are missing out, sir. Well, let me ask you this. If you
1: want a good laugh, check
0: out a Kevin Hart movie.
2: I was going to ask you, uh, on that topic, do you have a favorite Kevin Hart movie?
1: Probably this, I would think. Uh, I'd have to uh, think about it for a second. I liked him in Central Intelligence. I liked him in Get Hard with Will Ferrell. Yeah, what about you?
2: I think Central Intelligence. I actually like the pairing of Rock and Kevin Hart more in that movie than I did this
1: movie. Oh, I don't. I think this movie is... I think this movie is the apex of their... Uh, partnership so far. Mm-hmm. All right, the man himself, Dwayne Johnson. What do you guys think?
2: I thought he was great in this movie. This movie was perfect for him. I mean, he fit into this role perfectly. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. uh
1: Do you have a favorite rock performance? Mm-hmm. And I'm not counting uh, WrestleMania 21, where him and Stone Cold wrestled that was at, a pretty good at Safeco, or yeah. it was Safeco then. T-Mobile I, I was there to see it. So was I.
0: So for me, uh, I think my other favorite place I really like him in is Fast Five. He was so, so wonderful in that. He, he just exploded that movie. I could not agree more. I was
2: leaning towards Tooth Fairy. Oh, the hockey movie, huh? I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've liked him in a lot of the movies he was in. Uh, I, he's come a long way from since The Scorpion King
1: yes yes he has although i have to say when the rundown and scorpion king came out you know I, w- I was already a fan because of the wrestling but i just thought that he was those movies were just so funny and he has great comedic timing and then he does uh, the game plan which i think is my favorite role of his is where he plays the quarterback and it's a fucking disney movie you know outside of that hobbs you can't go wrong with Hobbs. Hobbs and Shaw. Absolutely. I'm, you glad know. You,
2: I'm glad you brought up the rundown. That is one of my favorite rock movies.
1: And you know, the most recent thing I've seen him in was Black Adam. And that was the first time I was like, eh, maybe little, not so much. A
0: little crestfallen.
1: Yeah. He was he was more fun in the jungle cruise, the Disney
0: adaptation or remake, whatever. You know, I like that, that that
1: that swashbuckling adventure type guy, I think he does really good at.
0: I was wondering. I was going to bring that up a little bit later, but we can talk about it now. Thinking about having um, the spirit of Jumanji, it feels like it could, you know, rival what we have in the Jungle Cruise, in in so far in, in the spirit of the swashbuckling adventureness of the movie. Oh sure,
1: I mean, you uh, they're interchangeable. Yeah, you know, just uh, there's a predicament. It's in the jungle now. How our characters get there is different, obviously, but. You know, action is action. and It's
0: perilous, but not that perilous. Right. And
1: although Emily Blunt is in Jungle Cruise, and I do like Emily Blunt, I would pick Jumanji over that one any day of the week mm-hmm. as a jungle adventure
0: movie to yeah, watch. Yeah, it's stronger.
1: Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jumanji?
0: Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, you know, watching The Rock, I remember watching him in The Mummy Returns and thinking... Man, I wonder where this guy is going to go because, you know, here he is breaking into it's only a couple minutes in the movie, but, you know, where is this guy going to go? Because, you know, he's he looks fucking badass. And then, you know, right after that, he does the rundown and then he was really fun and, and be cool. You know him and his little oh, cowboy. Dance. Yes.
1: Oh, and it's just a small cameo bit, yes, yes. but he, he is so good. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. And, and so I'm looking at him and I'm wondering, man, this guy—he's really going to be taken off. And you know, my soft spot movie, and I've only watched it once, and it was with you, John, with you, Don. Uh, the game plan. I think that he plays that to a T. That oh. is just so perfectly played.
1: Yeah. If listeners, if you haven't watched the game plan before, you start rolling your eyes at me, and you know who you are. Check it out. It is, You'll absolutely fall in love with The Rock and the little gal who played. Uh, I cried just thinking about it.
2: Do you know what was one of Rock's very first acting roles? Uh, no.
0: When he joined the
2: Wrestling Federation? No. Outside of wrestling. It was a Star Trek Next Gen episode. Oh no he, way! He, he was? played an alien yeah, that, in it. That's
0: right. I remember that an no, alien gladiator. Oh, I didn't, know that. No, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he was he was like a like a rival gladiator, and one of the Star Trek crew was was also a gladiator, and he was kind of sort of helping him out a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, it, uh, if, listeners, if you're a big fan of rock, watch that TV show he has, The Young Rock
0: Show. Uh, it's really good. I like it. Here's a fun fact: Dwayne Johnson's net worth. 800 million dollars. That's just a little bit. (sighs) Is it trivia time? Why, yes,
2: Don. I believe
0: it is finally
2: time for trivia. In our continuing pursuit to crown the master of movie trivia, I've prepared a series of questions related to the movie that we are reviewing this episode. Please wait until I finish each question before answering, Don. What band is on the tank top that Alex is wearing in the beginning of the movie? Metallica. Correct, sir. What is Bethany obsessed with? Instagram. Do you have a guess? Instagram? It's her phone. Meh. What is Fridge's football number? 74. Uh, zero. Nine, 94. 94. Uh-huh. Fuck. Only one of their avatars can read the map. Who is it?
0: It's Osborne. Dr. Uh, Shelley, o- 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 Oberman. The,
1: the
2: curvy uh, map reader. What mode of transportation do they take from the transportation shed?
0: Helicopter? Correct. Fuck!
2: On their way out of the bazaar, seaplane leads the others through a series of tunnels. They must all stay off of what color brick so that they're not killed by the blades? White. Right. Very good.
1: Did it give you a Last Crusade feel? Yeah, a, a little, little bit. bit.
2: What is the name of the high school that the characters attend? Brantford High School. Correct. What is the na- name, first and last, of the character played by Rays Darby who guides the players in the game? I just know him as Nigel. Nigel Hawthorne. It's Nigel Billingsley. Wow. Who's
1: Nigel Hawthorne? That sounds very familiar to me. I don't know. Oh, okay.
2: And for the final question, what year does Alex return to after they win the game. 1996. Five. 1996. Mm. So I think, Don, you win this week. But Well, that's a fucking first. So I think we are finally back at a tie. Well, lucky fucking us, huh, Professor?
0: You got it. Lucky us.
1: In 1996, Brantford, New Hampshire, teenager Alex Vreek receives Jumanji, which was previously disposed of by Alan Parrish and Sarah Whittle in 1969 from his father, who found it on the coast. Alex finds it transformed into a video game cartridge later that night. Opting to play, he is suddenly sucked into the game, thus disappearing from the real world as time continues to pass. 21 years later... Four Brantford High School students, awkward Spencer Gilpin, athletic Anthony Fridge Johnson, ditzy Bethany Walker, and cynical Martha Kaply are given detention for various reasons. Fridge discovers Alex's discarded video game. Upon starting it, the group is sucked into Jumanji, landing in a jungle as their chosen avatars. Spencer as muscular archaeologist Dr. Xander Smolder Bravestone Fridge as zoologist Franklin Mouse Finbar, Bethany as male cartographer and paleontologist Professor Sheldon Shelley Obron, and Martha as sultry martial arts expert Ruby Roundhouse. Three marks on their arms denote their lives in the game, making them afraid that if they lose all three, they will actually die. The group's goal is to end a curse on Jumanji brought about by a corrupt archaeologist, Professor Van Pelt, after he stole a magical jewel called the Jaguar's Eye and gained control of the jungle's animals. They must return the jewel to the shrine and call out Jumanji to lift the curse and leave the game. So this movie starts out familiar to the original. We get the drum beats.
2: We also get the... The nineteen ninety five ended with a beach scene. This one starts with a beach scene.
1: And some dude finds it on the beach and he takes it home to his kid and we find out that you know what the game that kid's playing? Did it look familiar to you? mm Twisted Metal. Oh. That that's what Twisted Metal on the PS1 looked like. <laughs>
2: I loved his, basically Alex's reaction when he got the board game is, who plays board games? I know. The kids these that I day. Know. You know, well, in
1: 1996, days. probably a lot of people still. Yeah. But I understand what he's saying. And then uh, magically it turns into a video game cartridge. So Alex gets the cartridge, decides to play it, and he gets, gets sucked, sucked into the game.
0: So we cut to Spencer, and he is gaming and also writing a paper for school. Mom comes busting in, and we can tell right off the bat that this character is really uptight because, he, you know, his mom is just screaming about being careful of everything, right? And then after she leaves, we see him squirt, and this is before COVID, right? We see him squirt some Purel into his hands, and then what does he do? He pats his neck. Oh, it's also his cologne. Right. And we instantly know
2: who Spencer is.
1: Nerd. Yeah. And we've seen the archetype a thousand
0: times. We cut to Fridge starting his day.
2: Yeah. With his mom basically, uh, you know, saying, you know, is he getting his grades up? Is he doing his homework? Things like that. He's being
1: tutored by Spencer. He's got to stay on the football team, that whole trope. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Bethany, and she is just, quote, waking up in the morning <laughs> with
2: uh, her big uh, uh, tri- sel- selfie, selfie, stick. selfie stick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Instagram fiend mm-hmm. right and then Martha uh, we find out that Martha is very shy and you know awkward th- awkward that's a good word so we have our four high school archetypes mm-hmm. and We're did all- you get did you get a little bit of breakfast club vibe throughout this whole thing
0: it wasn't until later when they started connecting with each other that it started to move in that direction
1: it, for me I it's when they're going around and getting detention? Uh, And it it reminded me a little bit of summer school. And then when they all have to go in and talk to the principal, I think that for me felt a little breakfast clubby.
2: Jack Black actually said when he first read the script, he was reminded of breakfast club. And that was one of the things that drew him to this movie. Yeah.
0: So we also get to see a scene uh, where Spencer and Fridge, they're meeting in front of the freak house. And I was noticing how CGI'd the freak house looked because it was just like this flat, flat, dark gray slash black, 100% just flat color of nothing. There, there was no lighter colors to it at all. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that sort of bugged me was all the foliage on the trees. It's clearly the fall, and why are all these Christmas decorations at with all these trees with all these leaves on them? Because the dad never took the Christmas lights down. No, it wasn't his place. It was the neighbor's houses around it. It bugged me. Oh, the neighbors' houses around it had Christmas lights. On? They they had oh. Christmas decorations, <laughs> Christmas lights, but the, all these leaves are in the trees. Now. Hey, does that make it a Christmas movie? I knew that was going to come up. What makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie?
2: Uh, we'll talk. About Who cares? The, yeah, we'll talk about it in the December. December. Uh, The pacing of this movie in the beginning, you know, one of the key things we've talked about in past movies is the introduction of our main characters and the pacing of that. Like Breakfast Club, we've always kind of referenced as one of the perfect pacings for introducing us to our characters, who they are, what they're like, and what their characteristics are. This movie, we quickly kind of get, you know, the characteristics of our characters, and we figure out pretty quick... That Spencer and Fridge used to be very close friends. They used to be best friends. Something has happened to divide them, and now Fridge is having Spencer do his homework. Yeah, and Spencer tells us that Mm -hmm. as the audience.
0: It's been fun doing your papers and, and homework. Even though we've been friends since
1: childhood, and you walk around here like you don't know me. You know, a typical trope.
2: What did you think of the pacing, though, of our introduction to these characters?
1: Uh, the pacing was great. Uh, it's not until later in the movie that we slow down, mm-hmm. but I think the first half of this film is paced very well. It gets us moving, it tells us uh, our story, and it lets us have fun along the way.
0: So, right after Fridge hops into the car and they don't offer Spencer a ride, even though they're all going to the same place, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> you had to see it coming, though. Yeah. Come it- on. And then we have the dad come out from the house and then he says, this world swallows up, swallows up kids like you. Do you know who that actor was? Tim Matheson. Do you know where he's from? I know him from a couple of different places, but, um, you know, it, the places where I know him from most is from a TV show called burn notice. And he also did, uh, he was in, uh, animal house.
1: That's where um, I go to automatically
0: is that's otter.
1: Yeah. No, it's not otter. Well, it's uh,
0: no, it is otter. Uh, Can we talk
2: about the scene in the principal's office with Spencer and Fridge and the uh, paper that has been copied?
1: We can talk about whatever you want. What would you like to say about it?
2: That scene annoyed me because there was an easy out and they missed it. Which was? Which was, said earlier on, Fridge said he was being tutored by Spencer. So all they had to do when they were sitting in that room is have Spencer say... I was tutoring the fridge. I was helping him with his paper. I must have used the same language from my original paper. I apologize. It's my fault. It's not Spencer's fault. But we worked on this paper together. So they get detention, all four of them. What did you think of... Well, first of all, what did you think of the way Martha got detention?
1: I, I liked it. I like that she kind of just goes off on the teacher. And, you know, some of the stuff she says... It, Kind of makes sense, technically. Well,
2: it's kind of a dick comment to the teacher, though. It it
1: really is. It really was. Uh, My favorite one, though, is Bethany when she's on the phone and the teacher's like, hello? (laughs)
2: It's Two more minutes.
1: (laughs) But I finished.
2: (laughs) There was something that I apparently, I tried to watch for in this movie, but I missed. But did you catch the kind of the Wizard of Oz references throughout this movie? No. No. In the music, uh, apparently it was worked in that every so often they had some, uh, they played a few notes from Over the Rainbow, and I guess there was a few other little instances here and there of just trying to give you callback. Oh, in the end of the movie, there is another reference that I will bring up uh, that Nigel says that is a direct reference to Wizard of Oz.
1: Cool. So they all get detention. They got to go down and take the staples out of the magazines. Choose your weapons. Which would fucking suck. And naturally, they find the video game system. How did it get from Alex's house to the school?
2: I'm guessing that when the father finally gave up on getting his son back, he just gave it all away to the school.
1: That's exactly how I took it as well. And so uh, whilst in detention, Fridge finds the video game. And they start, they plug it in. And he looks to Spencer, you know, to hook it up. And uh, the TV cart thingamadoodle. Remember those in high school?
2: I remember being so happy when those things got wheeled into the classroom.
1: I know, because you knew no no class.
2: And we were going to get to watch Cujo.
1: They hook it up, and they turn it on, and then they find out that one of the characters you can't select, which at the time when I saw it, I didn't put two and two together. But that'll come around later mm-hmm. and they go through and fridge picks
2: he thinks it's moose but it's mouse right
1: and spencer picks dr bravestone and bethany picks uh shelly obram because it's the curvy genius mm-hmm. and so she thinks it's a girl and shelly and martha gets ruby, ruby roundhouse. roundhouse uh real quick out of the four characters in the video game which one was your favorite
2: i gotta go with smolder so good
1: i think i would too i i would too but ruby roundhouse is a close fucking second and so they all get sucked into jumanji and now we can kind of start our movie what did you guys think of when they all fall into jumanji and then they're just starting to figure out what the fuck is going on
2: did you catch that smolder uh the rocks character is the only one who always lands on his feet I thought that was kind of an interesting. It was funny that the rest of them all just flop down or land. However, Ruby lands on her feet a couple of times. I thought it was a great kind of quick introduction to our new characters. I mean, we knew right away that oh, two and two put two new together, they are now their avatars. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like how uh, the rocks character is still Spencer. And he's trying to figure out. And I like how Fridge is having a fit because he's small. He lost two feet, and you know he's got the backpack. And he's uh, Bravestone's valet. And I love how Ruby Roundhouse when uh, she she looks at her avatar and is like, "Who dresses like this in the jungle?"
2: Yeah, yeah, which was a direct reference to tomb raider and making fun i guess there was a big thing about you know sexy characters and video games wearing non-practical clothes and that's what they called out in this movie
0: yeah yeah I, I do dig bethany though you know i'm an overweight middle-aged man i have a tattoo wait a second where's my phone <laughs> but then it's followed up oh so brilliantly with a i don't have two feet of my body i the the way they just kept going on and on
1: when they first uh arrive in jumanji i think it's just comedic gold
2: i love when they figure out how to bring up their stats their strengths and their weaknesses um you know tapping their chest or whatever and how you know the rock brings up his and he's got no weaknesses all strengths and then they bring up like kevin Hart's and he's got all weaknesses and barely any like strength is one of his weaknesses how is strength
1: a weakness. And, I love that.
2: And I love, too, that Cake was on his list because you know that that's going to pay off later. How is Cake going to come into play at some point in this? I
1: like when uh, they're figuring it out and Fridge goes up to Ruby and he's all, you just press your chest. Here, here, let me do it for you.
2: She's like, get out of here.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so good. The chemistry between these four. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. I absolutely fucking
0: love it. Re- it. it works well. Absolutely. And then here comes a hippo, and Bethany's
2: gone, just like that. What? Yeah, what did you think of that immediate, like, one character's all of a sudden dead?
1: Uh, I immediately thought of Deep Blue Sea, when the shark eats Samuel L. Jackson, very similar. But they have to establish the rules. Mm -hmm. Right, and in most video games, you get three lives, so it makes sense. And when the tattoos, you know, that's your life. And I thought they did a really good job of incorporating video game rules to this world, since it was a video game. Mm -hmm.
2: For me, you know, I've talked about our oh fuck moments, and I think the first time I saw that, the hippo grabbed so quickly, you know, we had kind of the inkling that they might get multiple lives, but it was just so quick and so surprising that that was one of my oh fuck moments in this movie, and kind of for me set the pace of expectations later on in the movie, that we're going to see some violent deaths. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that sound they make when they respawn, I always
0: like that. Mm -hmm. And then they just drop out of the sky. And then we have the hippo closing in, and then they're suddenly rescued by Nigel Billingsley. Welcome to
1: Jumanji. And this is the narrator, and this is giving us a backstory. I like when they get into the truck and they start going and... They're asking Nigel questions, but he's an NPC. He's just repeating things, right? And he's very limited on his responses. And uh, the Rock has a letter, and he starts to uh, Nigel starts to narrate it, and we go, we yeah. cut to it, cut scene, and you hear Fridge going, "What the hell? Where are we? What is this?" And Spencer, uh, I think it's a cut scene, and they again, they just do a really good job of explaining. It, it. tells you the backstory. Yeah. And this is also where we get introduced to our antagonist, uh, Bobby Bobby Carnavale.
0: Dr. Russell Van Pelt.
1: What did you guys think of the villain here? He was good. Yeah?
0: Yeah, I, I did
2: like him, but I almost feel like we didn't get enough of him.
1: I can see that for sure. The only thing I liked about him was there was only a few scenes where he was really intimidating, but other than that, I thought he was just a paint-by-numbers villain thrown in there to be some sort of an obstacle for our heroes, and I, I don't know. I, I think I, he was, I agree I think, with that. I think I like the uh, I like the villain in the original the best because ultimately it's
0: his dad. Well, it was Van Pelt in the original, so they shared the same name. So we get up to speed with. This is what they're supposed to be doing in Jumanji. You got to go find this jewel, the Jaguar, the Jaguar jewel.
1: Well, Nigel gives it to him, and uh, they, and then Nigel leaves them, and they're supposed to look at the map, but not the map is blank, and so the only one that can read the map is Jack Black's character.
2: Because we learned they all have their strengths, they all have their weakness, and and cartiology, cartography,
1: cartology, I don't know, whatever. cartography, cartography. I like cartology.
2: He's an expert with maps. <laughs> and he, he can actually see what's on the map. So then we're given the idea of, oh, they're all going to have to use their strengths throughout this movie.
1: Right. They are all going to have to work together mm-hmm. and figure it out. And Spencer immediately figures it out that it's a game. There's levels. You got to beat the boss on every level and you got to just keep progressing. Mm-hmm. Coping with their avatars, their character weaknesses, Van Peltzman, and their own group dynamics as they begin their journey, they encounter Alex playing the fifth avatar, pilot Jefferson C-Play McDonough, who takes them to a treehouse that Alan Parrish built during his tenure in Jumanji. Alex thinks he has only been stuck in the game for a couple of months. Everyone, including Alex, is shocked to learn that he's been in there for 20 years. The group coordinate with each other's strengths and work together to overcome the game's obstacles. They manage to return the jewel to the statue, break the curse, and return to the real world.
2: So during their navigation to get to the bizarre area, we see them, obviously you were saying, Don, that they have some interaction between each other, some group dynamic issues. What did you think of Spencer and Fridge's interactions?
1: I thought it was okay. I'm assuming you're talking about when they're walking up the cliff. and Think, Things and, like that. Like and, and Fridge is pissed, right? I mean, because he he doesn't want to be here. He He's blaming Spencer for all of this. But in reality, it's Fridge's own fault. Mm-hmm. Had he just done his own homework, none of this would have been a fucking problem. But he doesn't see it like that. In the meanwhile, Spencer's like... Fuck you, dude. You never wanted to hang out with me, and the only reason why you do hang out with me is because I do your homework. And now that I have this body, I feel like I can tell you that, even though he tries not to.
2: Well, I thought it was kind of a dick maneuver when uh, Fridge pushed him off the cliff. Oh, a
1: huge dick maneuver.
2: But I do love when uh, Spencer starts to kind of find his balls a little bit, stands up to Fridge, and Fridge comes up and hits him or slaps him, and... What does Spencer do? Punches him into a wall. Yeah, he just uses that strength. Yeah. Did so. you get any kind of tingle every time he did the smolder? Oh, who who
1: didn't? And I li- I liked I liked when Bethany gets the tingle too He's as like, Jack Black. Okay, she goes
2: do it again. Yeah. Did what did you think of the smolder?
0: I I was indifferent. Oh, okay. We have the roar of the motorcycles showing up, and now things are perilous, and we are propelled forward, and they're. And they're now they're they're fleeing through the jungle.
1: I like uh that they're trying to get away and everybody's running past Fridge because he's slow. And uh Bravestone's like, I'll carry you. And Fridge is like, I'll die. You know, and no, then, I'd rather die than
2: you carry. Me. And then
1: they, and they cut to he's flying down the road carrying Kevin Hart.
2: Did you catch uh Bethany when she's in you know Jack Black's body and she's complaining that she's having a heart attack or she's dying, whatever. But if you flash back to her, uh, weakness, it was endurance. Right. Basically she was just out of energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I love how they kind of tried to work each of those, you know, characteristics into the characters.
1: Yeah. Oh, they did. They were, they worked them in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so at the bazaar, uh, they figure out what's kind of going on. They run into this little kid and it tells them you have to find the missing piece And they assume it's the missing piece to the map. Uh, So they get lured into this area and they have this ration bit. And, you know, it's like in the video game where your uh, player gets their health back. And I love that the cake callback comes back and Kevin Hart eats the cake. Did you notice how violently he explodes? Oh, yeah. It's not like a little poof. You're gone. I mean, he fucking exploded.
2: Well, not only did I mean, first of all, it was just this huge fireball, but I don't know if you caught it. If you looked at the ground, all the ground around that area was all black. Yeah, from the from the explosion.
1: Yeah, and then Spencer figures out he can fight, mm-hmm. and I love, these are always fun bits.
2: Well, I love you know because it was a callback to the beginning of the movie. You notice know, so I used the word callback, uh, in that when we first see Spencer playing the video game, the fighting game, he's calling out each move that he's doing, you know, uppercut, right hook, parry, parry. In that fight sequence, I love the fact that they brought that back, just like a video game. He was calling out each one of his moves.
0: Yeah. Before this happened, though, I think that it's worth mentioning that when they escape over the... They jump into the water, and then they get out of the water, and then we have... We have Martha. She suddenly gets uh, bitten by a snake, and poof, she dies. And then we realize that... Um, Now they realize what those hash marks are about. They figure out that that they're losing their lives. And this is going to be an issue, not once, but twice more in the movie about her and the issue with snakes. Because when we get to that scene, you know, with the snake coming out of there, out of the basket, it's like, holy shit. You know, she could be in serious trouble here. Yeah. There is another fun moment that happens before they get to the bazaar. I need to take a leak. Oh,
1: this, this part had me rolling. Jack Black plays it so perfectly. It's so funny, and you notice uh, Fridge and Spencer—they're they're trying to be cool about it. You know,
2: I love it. Oh, don't look. This, this is the thing. We don't look.
1: Yeah, uh, Spencer's like, yeah, you don't look around. You know,
0: and Martha, come look at my penis. No, thank you. I love how she says, "This is so cool." You guys have a handle. Yeah, we do. Also, get before they get to the uh, before they get there. But the girls, they have a little bit of girl talk together. And I feel like that this is the first connection that happens in the movie between our characters that a a little bit of a bridge is starting to build between them because they're, they're talking in, you know, in in a way that I I feel like that they show that they could have, you know, some, some sort of common, common ground with each other when when they're talking.
1: Sure. And during these bits, as they have to walk to where they're going, they all kind of bond. And Bethany's like, why do you hate me, Martha? And Martha's like, "Uh, because you're superficial and this, that, and the other. And Bethany's like, well, that's just what you see. Maybe I'm going through some shit. And it's for the first time that they kind of both see each other as humans, which is ironic
2: because they're avatars. This is something I really appreciate about this movie is they took a typical trope and they turned it completely around. Typically, you get... The pretty girl is the mean girl. She's superficial, and she's somewhat of a bully. In this one, Bethany brings up the fact of, yes, I'm good-looking. Yes, I'm superficial, but maybe you don't like me because you're afraid I won't like you back. And you're so af-
0: that's why you behave like that. that
2: that's why you behave like So it wasn't that Bethany was mean to her ever, it's that... Uh, Martha We're, never gave her a chance.
0: And that's that's Martha's guard. That's her shield yeah. that, that she is willing to hate everybody else. So that way she doesn't have to be disappointed.
1: So they make it to the bazaar and they find out that there's a snake in the thing. And Fridge realizes that he's a zoologist. And throughout this bits, every time there's an animal or something, he'll spew out a fact. Why and do I know all this? Exactly. And uh, they open the basket and it's a black mamba. And, you know, Fridge is like, that's a black mamba. And they come to the conclusion, I don't know how, but they come to the conclusion that it's a staring contest. <laughs>
2: well, it was the clue that said, uh, don't blink. I, I get
1: that, but a staring contest with the snake? And God bless Jack Black. They say, is anybody good at a staring contest? And Fridge starts blinking his eyes rapidly. I saw that. Yeah. Like, no, nope, no, nope, I don't want to do it. And you know, Bethany feels bad. Guys... I'm great at it. <laughs> so it turns out it's not a staring contest, but in fact, they have to defang the Black Mamba. And luckily, uh, Bravestone has fast reflexes because he's able to catch it, open its mouth, and Fridge gets to defang the Black Mamba. And he's super proud of himself. He's like, I defanged a Black Mamba.
2: I noticed that's about Fridge, is each time. He does something that, like, would be out of his norm, defanging, you know, basically doing something on his own for himself, defanging the Black Mamba, coming up with all that trivia, things like that. He got pretty proud of himself. So I think that was kind of his life lesson throughout this movie is do it on your own and take pride in what you do.
1: Yeah, sure. And so they get this clue. I, was that an original piece from the game? I don't know. Kind of reminded me of it. There was also a couple of statues in the ground when they first get there. I think those look like the pieces from the original game. They were all
2: designed to look like the original pieces from the game. Nice. I knew Uh,
1: it.
0: But they are attacked. And Van Pelt catches up with them.
1: And action ensues. But just as they're cornered, they get some help. Smoke bomb. And it is the wonderful Nick Jonas himself.
0: So this is the fifth character. We escape through those tunnels in a series of traps. Very yep.
2: Indiana Jones, like you called out earlier.
1: Yep, and then they go back to Sea Plains Hangout, which is Alan Parrish's uh, hideout. We learned which that- I when I when I saw that uh, in the theater, uh, I just went Oh because that was a really cool call out. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really classy way to tie the two together. I
0: didn't recognize it. Well, because
1: well, well, you probably forgot that. Uh, Robin's William name because was Alan been, Parrish
0: because it was 15 years since I'd seen it yeah well, it, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And if you think about it a little bit deeper,
2: uh, Alan Parrish escaped Jumanji in 1995. Uh, Alex was sucked in there in 1996. so it was only a one year apart that they were they missed each other. yeah I love too that his strength is making Margaritas.
1: I thought that was pretty funny. And how Fridge keeps drinking
2: more and more margaritas, and Spencer and Martha just spit theirs out. Right,
1: but this is also where Spencer and Martha kind of tell each other that they're vibing on each other, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then that kiss is so funny. <laughs> it was so funny,
0: so bad. Yeah. Another important point that that is revealed is they finally come to realize that they all need each other to succeed if they're going to have any shot of getting out of the game they
1: figure out that
0: seaplane is the missing piece
2: yeah because he he reveals he is incapable of finishing the game without them he has needed them all this time
1: right and the next level up is the transportation shed in which this is where seaplane always stuck but now he has the help of the other four and this is also where we get some very crucial information we find out that Seaplane has been stuck in Jumanji for 20 years and not just a couple of months. Mm-hmm.
2: I thought this was kind of, it, it gave me a new take on the original movie in that the fact Seaplane, like time passes differently in the world of Jumanji that Seaplane didn't realize. He thought it only been maybe a few months. So that makes me wonder if Alan knew it had, time had traveled so long that he had been in there for 20 years.
0: Um. Yeah, I'd
1: have to go back and watch it.
0: Yeah. Well, he he wouldn't necessarily know that because if he comes out of the game the way everybody else comes out of the game, you are put back where you were left. Yeah. Right? You you know where the game took you? He wouldn't necessarily know if it had been two weeks, ten months, two years. Mm. That's a good point. So the gang comes up with a plan that we need a distraction. And Bethany
2: needs to teach Martha how to flirt. And I I dug that whole thing. Oh,
1: this thing made me laugh.
2: And the, the fact that Jack Black, he sells Pulled it. it off. I mean, he, he sells, sells it. it.
1: Oh, yeah. And even Karen Gillian, when she's trying to do, you know. The, the hair flip, the lips. Or the clicking of the tongue, whatever that was.
2: The tongue to the roof of the mouth.
1: Oh, my. Like this. Like this is so funny, and the walk, and and the way uh, Karen would flip her hair and the eyes is just so awkward, but it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And so she walks down there to do the distraction, and this is one of her skills coming into play.
2: Well, one thing I wanted to bring up was in an interview. Uh, Dwayne Johnson was asked if he could play any other role in this movie what would he have wanted to play and immediately he said Jack Black's character he would have loved to try to do what Jack Black did in this movie and I think that that would have been an interesting take I almost kind of wish they would have done that in the sequel and then so the dance fighting what do you think of the song they chose
1: oh baby I love you every day yeah yeah <laughs> I hate that fucking song. I hate that fucking song with a passion.
0: It gets it stuck in lame. your head. I know. It was lame. I know. But it was it was a fun fight choreography sing. And
1: during this, seaplane's freaking out because he's only got one life left, and he's he thinks he he thinks of himself as not a good pilot, and he's just a lot of self doubt. And so the other three are like, "Come on, dude, you got to do this. You got to do this." And they land up stealing the helicopter. What did you guys think of this whole
2: helicopter bit? I was down with it. Yeah. You're talking about stealing it or flying it? All of it. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good action sequence.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and kind of typical. You know, something's wrong with the helicopter. The rock's got to fix it. And But my favorite part is when uh, Mouse drops the, <laughs> the gem.
2: I thought that was a brilliant that the plan that Spencer came up with to get the gem back.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. But they're 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 kind of taking off. They're thinking in the they think they are in the clear and Mouse is like, uh guys? Like, well he, he basically goes Oops. And yeah. they're like,
2: What do you mean? Oops.
1: And uh, Bravestone comes up with this great idea. And he throws mouse out of the helicopter as a distraction. They go back and they get the jewel. And as moose is mouse, moose is responding. They flip the helicopter and 90 degrees. The, and the rock
0: catches he, he him. falls through, he falls through the doorway and he's caught.
2: Right. I, I love the seed right after this where they're all congratulating and celebrating that they got past that level and they got the gem and everything and here is uh, Mouse, basically Fridge, talking about, you know, none of you have ever been stampeded by rhinos. I, you've never seen their undercarriages. I've seen things.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he's all kinds of pissed off. And this is also when Seaplane gets bit by a mosquito. Now, in this movie, there's... There's a couple of bits that I think are done very tenderly and have a lot of heart. And I think this is the beginning of it. This is the beginning uh, kinship between Bethany and Seaplane. They see that he got bit by a mosquito. We know that mosquitoes is his weakness. And we know that this is his last life. But Bethany has two lives. And so she saves Seaplane's life. What do you guys think of this whole bit?
0: I thought it was tender, and she didn't know that that that's what was going to happen—that she was going to surrender one of her lives. She just naturally went in to help him.
2: But I do appreciate that halfway through that sequence, uh, a friend who was that noticed that her tattoo was starting to disappear on her on her arm, and they brought that up to her. you're giving him one of your lives?" And she goes, "No worries, no problem. I'm I'm willing to do that." Yeah. Yeah. And that said a lot about Bethany's character. Uh, I think it was at that time that I started to think, oh, they're setting up for maybe she's going to go back into the past or something that her and Alex are going to end up together. Did um, you think that at any time? Not, no,
1: I didn't because I'm not sure why I didn't. It, it just didn't go that way for me. Mm. And the way it plays out, I think, is just so much better. Oh, I
0: agree with you 100%. But...
1: Um, yeah, no, I, I I didn't see it going that way.
0: Yeah, I, I you can tell if she was sweet on him, but we didn't necessarily know if he was sweet on her.
1: And it felt like more like a, a
0: schoolgirl crush. There was a really fun moment right in this time as well, where Alex says, "Does phone mean something different in the future?" Yeah, and and mm. and it's kind of
1: hinting at us that. You know, because we find out that he's been in here for twenty years, because he starts talking about Cindy Crawford being the bomb and using all all of this old lingo. Yeah, and Fridge and Spencer are like, "What the fuck are you talking about,
2: bud?" I love that the Fridge, or I think it was Fridge, that made the comment. She's like fifty years old, and they're all like, and Spencer's like, "Man, but she's still kind of good." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good bit. No, the the biggest thing I thought was uh, funny in this whole sequence was. I mean, they kind of sprinkled in some adult humor here and there right after Bethany saves Alex's life. Uh, and, you know, they all stand up and they all walk away. He gets the two on. guys notice something sticking out of, uh, out of Bethany's pants.
0: Was These things are crazy!
2: That was subtly, but well done. Yes. Yeah, Without actually having to show us, it was oh, obvious yeah. what they were talking about. Oh,
0: yeah. It was very well done. Made me laugh. <laughs> Made me Which laugh. takes me back to the peeing moment. And look at this. And then we have um, Moose talking about it. heck, I looked at it 20 seconds in. Yeah, as yeah. soon as I got here. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't have? Yeah, Right? And he's like, I'm glad I brought one thing back, you know, in right. from the real world. Right. They find the, the, the Jaguar Mountain. And at the same time, it's also revealed that a vulture sees them that has been sent out by Van Pelt. Right. And
1: he's been on their trail ever since. Mm-hmm.
0: And now we finally reach the final path, and it's nighttime. And then we have all those torches light up, and they are faced with a chall- with a challenge.
1: I thought this was a really good-looking scene. I like the jaguars in it it becomes a Bravestone thing and he's going to do it. And because him and Martha already profess that they like each other. So he's trying to step up and be a little bit more brave. And like you were saying earlier, comic book guy, this is a prime example of how Bravestone or Spencer is not fearless because he goes up into the trees and
0: he's really good at climbing. That's it, one of his strengths.
1: That's right. And he's trying to go, you know, from tree to tree to tree, but a squirrel fucking scares him. He falls down and he gets eaten by a jaguar.
2: But here's a part that I had to think about this last time I watched this movie is usually when people are killed, they respond right away and they fall down from the sky, or at least it takes a few seconds. Did you notice he didn't respond right away? Which means he didn't die right away, which if you think about it, that means that that jaguar was gnawing on him for a while before he actually died. Yeah, I, I didn't pay attention.
0: And then a nice little moment happens where... We have Spence. He's completely freaked out, and it's Moose that has to give him a pep talk.
1: It was so much easier when we had more than one life, and Moose is like, dude, that's all we ever get is just one life. Mm -hmm. And it kind of puts things into perspective for him. And Moose kind I love how we're calling him Moose. Uh, Mouse comes up with a game plan. I might not know video games, but I know football. And so they come up with this plan –
2: And they have to all work together, which, again, another thing about this movie.
1: Yeah. It it took all five of them to get out. Mm -hmm. And I like how they did it. They got The Rock, a motorcycle. uh, Ruby has the gem. They split up. Van Pelt can only follow one at a time, Lands up following Ruby. And just the way they worked it out and the way they made it happen... It was really good.
2: I liked the whole thing, which I thought this was a little bit interesting. When Fridge comes upon the elephant and tells the elephant to stop and realizes that not only does he know zoology, but he has a connection with the animals. Um, I thought it was interesting, first of all, that this elephant is one of the few creatures that Van Pelt's not controlling. Somehow, uh, Fridge, you know, his zoology maybe is overpowering Van Pelt's abilities But when he breaks through the woods and he's the actual one with the gem and yells,
0: zoology, bitch, I love that. I thought it was a great scene. Yeah, Ruby Roundhouse goes in to get the jewel. And she is, even though that venom is her weakness, she still bravely goes in to retrieve it. And she has a plan.
2: Yeah, I think her plan was at some point to die anyway. Because she said, you just get to the top and I will get you the gem. Yeah.
1: And it was brilliant because as soon as Spencer gets to the top, she gets bitten, she poofs, goes away, and when she respawns, she falls, and they do the whole action, catch the jewel at the uh, last second, and Ruby lands on her feet.
2: She does a superhero landing. She does a superhero
1: landing. So bad on your knees. They find the jewel, he shoves it in, and they all yell, Jumanji. Jumanji.
0: I got to say... The, uh, the, the climax of that moment, I thought it was ridiculous how the motorcycle is going almost vertical up the mountainside. That, it looks so preposterous. And the ridiculousness, the crazy rope swing that he does to retrieve the jewel from Martha. Holy shit. But I kept thinking that, too. I, th- I think the first time I thought,
2: oh, that's impossible. Then I kept thinking, this is not typical world you know rules. This is game world rules. and that's exactly in video games, people are driving up walls and things, so I didn't have a problem with that.
1: Oh yeah, no, not at all. I loved how fantastical it was mm-hmm. and just the whole just the whole fun of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we will watch Van Pelt and he's destroyed. He just melts away.
1: Which again, he's kind of a non-threatening villain to yeah. me. Uh, just kind of a like a fly getting in the way, being annoying.
0: So of the three uh, little creatures that he had with him, the tarantula going underneath his sleeve, the centipede going into his ear, or the uh, scorpion coming out of his mouth. Which one made you cringe? The scorpion.
2: I think it was the scorpion.
0: Uh, for me, it was the centipede. That's a close second.
1: That is a close second, absolutely.
2: I thought it was interesting the way they built him up with these powers and everything, and when he gets his really big bad moment, he's using a gun, and he's putting a knife to Bethany's throat. I mean, he's not using his abilities.
1: Yeah, like I said,
2: not a very good villain. Yeah. Um, So we get our whole thing. You know, Jumanji world is saved. The curse is broken. Everything goes to blue skies. Nigel shows back up again, and they got curse. And they have to shake hands to leave the world.
1: I love how Mouse is just like, oh, shut the fuck up and shake my hand. He was just in a hurry to get out of there.
2: This is where I was going to bring up the um, other uh, Wizard of Oz reference. Did you catch what he said to Mouse? He said goodbye. He said, you, I think I'll miss you most of all, which is a line from Wizard of Oz. Well, well, there you go. Dorothy says that to, I believe, the scarecrow. Oh, Yeah, there you go. Uh, But here's the question I have for you guys. Uh, First of all, would you have gone back to the real world or would you have wanted to stay and play?
1: Um, I think at that point with only one life left, I would have gone back.
2: Fuck yeah, I'd go back. I think I would have gone back, but I think I might want to have played again. I think I might have wanted to start the game over because at that point they would realize that when they left... They went right back to the exact moment they left. So I would almost want to go back into the game and start over again.
0: Okay, but if you go back into the game and start all over again, you better have other players going in there with you. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck.
2: Well, that's what I'm thinking is I'd hope everybody else would want to play too. So you guys would have to come along with me.
0: No, absolutely not. No? No, because I already played it.
2: Where's your sense of adventure?
0: So I dug the, the moment at the end right before... Spencer is thinking, you know, maybe we should stay. And you know, I I I appreciate what he says about that, you know. I like being I like being this with you and then let's be like this every day. Right? And and so, you know, I I just I just like that moment where, you know, it's like we can be like this every day. It doesn't just have to be like this. We can do this in the real world, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They they finally found the courage to start to become who they really are. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it gives you the impression, too, that when they return to the real world, they're going to bring some of those traits with them. Martha's going to be more confident and more open, and Spencer's going to find some courage. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. The The whole arcs of our characters happen within this video game, and as soon as they're thrown out, it shows. hmm Back in the present, the group finds the Verique home restored and lively from its previous haunted state. They meet Alex, now an adult, who explains that he miraculously returned to his own time in 1996, allowing him to live his life. He remained in Brantford and now leads a married life. His daughter is named after Bethany to honor her after she saved him by sacrificing one of her own lives in the game. The four students form an unlikely friendship after their experiences in the game, having bonded and become better people. Together, they destroy the game to prevent it from endangering anyone else.
2: Roll credits.
1: So they get out of Jumanji. First thing they
2: notice is Alex isn't with them.
1: Right, yeah, and that they're back in school, whatever.
0: Well, first they they go walking and they find the house completely restored right before they get to school. Well, where did they pop out of?
2: Well, he's talking about they're they're back in the AV room or whatever it was. Right.
1: Right. And then they notice that Alex isn't with them.
2: Yeah. And right. so then they go walking, which I assumed was the next day, Saturday after their detention. Cause remember they had to go to detention again the next day.
1: I assume they left as soon as they got out. That's mm-hmm. what I
2: thought
0: too.
1: That they went to go check on Alex. because oh, so? they
0: Yeah. Cause they know who he is. Right. And because that was where he disappeared. Right. So so let's go look there. Right. And that's what I thought.
1: And this is one of my favorite bits in this entire movie. And it's very subtle. And I think a lot of it is the way that Colin Hanks plays this and just the four of them. And they see him and they see that the house isn't in ruins. And Alex is
2: older now. Did you see the shirt he's wearing? He's
1: wearing a Metallica shirt, still a metal head. I absolutely loved his character. And the bit that gets me is when he tells Bethany that this is my little girl, or he tells Bethany that we named our daughter after the girl who saved my life. And then just the pure happiness and just relief that are on all of their faces. And, you know, Spencer's like, well, what happened? What happened? And uh, Alex is like, no, I popped out exactly when I left and everything is good everything worked out and watching this movie the first time i didn't i should have seen that coming but i didn't i thought it would have popped him out now and he missed 20 years and yeah yeah Yeah. but you know if you go back to the original they they do the same thing Mm -hmm. but no i i really dug this this uh scene and my my favorite part and it's subtle and it's probably stupid is after they kind of accept what's going on, they're smiling, smiling. Uh, Alex just kind of says, I was so stoked. And it's just in that moment, it's just a pure happiness and the pure joy
2: of that scene. You were talking about the look of the relief on their face when they go to Bethany's face, just the sense of pride. And, um, I don't know, just the fact that she felt so honored to have the child named after her, I thought that was a really. She did a great job of expressing that on her face. Yes,
1: I I agree wholeheartedly.
2: You guys cried. It may
0: have. Been I I might misty. have teared up.
1: Yeah, I might have teared up at that so, one moment. That so, was a
0: lot of heart. In that so scene. you guys cried. Uh, I fuck. I'll admit it. Yes. So did I. Down both. Down both eyes. Yeah, it's down so. Both cheeks.
1: So good. Mm. So stoked. And so now we're back at school. And it's the next day. Now I'm assuming it's the next day because it's the next morning. And, mm. you know, uh, Bethany's talking to her friend about wanting to backpack and being adventurous. I and,
2: that whole thing of now she's, obviously she's dropped that whole superficial thing. And she wants to be, you know, she loved the jungle. She wants to go out and be yeah, in the woods. Yeah. And her, the look on her friend's face.
0: Horrified.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we get Martha and Spencer... It giving was, each other a proper kiss.
2: Well, even before that, I love the fact that Spencer shows up with Fridge and they're walking side by side and they I like, and do the fist bump. And, I like
0: how Fridge runs up to catch up to Spencer. Yeah. Yeah, very satisfying.
1: Hey, a life and death situation will make anyone bond. So,
0: And then, yes, we get that kiss. We get the Michael Bay 360 degree kiss.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought that.
0: Was Uh, this kiss
2: a little bit better than their first kiss?
1: No, I like the first kiss much better because just the way the
0: the rock's face.
2: Yeah, licking the side of their faces.
0: (laughs) And then we hear drums beating. Naturally.
1: And then cut to a big old fucking bowling ball. Smushing it.
2: Well, that's the funny thing, too, is I remember when they first got to the AV room. (laughs) He's like, What do uh, they need with a bowling ball? What do they need with a bowling ball? Well, we get our
0: answer at the end of the movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was Jumanji. So I got to say, you know, watching this movie, watching them, you know, walking all over Jumanji, that was quite the crazy journey that they had.
1: It was. It reminded me of Journey to the Center of the Earth, too, with the rock. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. You mean Middle Earth?
1: Oh, fuck. Walked right into that one, didn't we, bud?
2: And now it's time for John's... My precious moment. Last week, I took a break from, from comparing the movie that we were reviewing to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. This week, the vacation continues. As I compare Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle to another movie that shares similar themes. This time, it's Wizard of Oz. Or as I like to call it, John's If I Only Had More Moments. In
1: my head, i while my thoughts were busy if I only had a brain.
2: In both movies, characters are brought into a different world where they must complete an adventure to return home. In Wizard of Oz, it's Dorothy who is initially pulled in, but if you paid attention, you'd recall from that movie that her companions are played by people from her real world. Also in Jumanji, like Wizard of Oz, both movies focus on unlikely friendships that build throughout the movie. In Wizard of Oz, it's Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. In Jumanji, it's Awkward Spencer, Athletic Fridge, ditzy. Bethany, and Cynical Martha. So, to break it all down, Dorothy would be Spencer. In the world of Jumanji, he's the leader and the one who pulls the group together, much like Dorothy does in Oz. The Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz is the one that's in search for a brain. He lacks intelligence, But really, he has his own unique way of thinking that proves to be an asset to the group. Much in a similar way, as does Bethany in Jumanji. She's basically smart, but hides it for superficial reasons. As the adventure persists, she grows to embrace her non-superficial sides of herself. She shows that she's more than just good looks. The Tin Man in Wizard of Oz is hoping for a heart. In Jumanji, Fridge is the one who's lost his heart and his friendship with Spencer. But throughout the movie and their shared adventures, he basically recovers his heart and recovers that friendship that he had once with Spencer. The lion in Wizard of Oz lacks courage and yearns to be brave. Awkward Martha lacks courage early on in the movie, mainly courage in herself and the things that she is capable of but thanks to the group and their adventures together, they help her find that courage. And as for Alex, when the group finds him, well, he's a lost little dog, so that makes him Toto. The Wizard of Oz, in my opinion, would be Nigel. He serves as the group guide and gives them their quest instructions. The Wicked Witch, well, that would be Van Pelt. He's the group's antagonist, and like the witch, he'll do whatever he can to hinder the group from com- from completing their quest and like the witch he has magical abilities and basically in the end melts away so what is the ruby slippers in jumanji the best analogy or comparison to the ruby slippers would be the jaguar's eye it's the jaguar's eye that is a mystical jewel that possesses magical powers it serves as the key element in the story as the characters need to find and return it to its rightful place in order to break the curse and escape the game. The Eye could be seen as comparable to the Slippers because both possess supernatural abilities and play critical roles in the progression of the narrative. Similar to the Eye being the key to the group escaping Jumanji, the Slippers are what gets Dorothy home in the end. And there you have it, my comparison between Jumanji and Wizard of Oz. Bring on the grades.
0: What do you think? Well, you got the uh, Dorothy, Tin Man, Scarecrow, Lion, Wizard, Wicked Witch. Those are all good, solid comparisons. I don't know if I agree 100% having Alex being Toto, because uh, Toto, I, I felt like, was sort of a, I don't know, I felt like that Alex contributed a lot more to the story arc than Toto did.
2: Who was the lion?
0: Uh the cowardly lion Martha. Was, was Martha
2: who ruby?
1: was Bravestone?
2: Bravestone was Dorothy.
1: huh? I think I would have gone the other way. I think I would have put Ruby as Dorothy and uh Spencer
2: having no courage. I thought Spencer was the one that kind of brought the group together. All
1: right, I am going to give you I'm gonna give you a B That wasn't bad. That wasn't
0: bad. all right uh the Ruby slippers being the Jaguar's eye. More or less, I think that sort of works. I don't know if I agree with all the particulars of it, but I'll give you an A minus.
1: Wow. Wow. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain.
2: All right, what
0: do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. John, you ready to rate this flick?
2: Okay, you sucked me into your little game. I'll play
0: along.
1: Yeah. That's pretty good. That's good. I like that. I like that. Uh, professor, how do we do our ratings?
0: We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. A one fuck movie is a movie where you see it one time and you're like, eh, I'm never going to watch that again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie where you see it, you're done with it, and you're like... Oh, for shit's sake. What the hell was that? Who made me watch this? You know what? Somebody owes me one hour and 36 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just
1: don't give a fuck. Uh, Professor, your brother's pick. You're
0: up. So, Jumanji, I have to say, when my brother said, hey, you guys should review Jumanji, um... I was like, yeah, I'm on board with that. I remembered it being a fun movie. It's been several years since I've seen the movie. But uh, I have to say it was every bit as enjoyable as I remembered it being from before. I found all four of our characters very likable. And these characters are on a very satisfying story arc with each other. We end in a much better place, you know, uh, emotionally than where we were at the beginning of the movie. The movie's uh, sense of adventure was... So much more fun having these lighthearted sprinkles of comedy throughout the movie. It just made it for um, an easy, fun watch. And I got to say that even though the movie is, you know, two hours, it I felt like it didn't really drag that much at all. It, it seemed to move along at a pretty good cadence. And I thought that the, uh, the movie showcases Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, and Kevin Hart Magnificently, They are perfectly cast in these roles. I also thought that uh, Karen Gillian, she was a, a, a really fun character as well. And it was an easy watch. It's a solid four fuck movie.
1: Four fucks from the professor. Me or you, guy?
0: I can
2: go next. All right. Jumanji has Whoa. a... Whoa! What about, what about Don's rating? I know, but he's just been so on lately. I know he's going to get this one, too. Don, can, would you like to predict what I am going to rate at this time?
1: Uh, I, I do, as a matter of fact, and I think that you are going to give Jumanji four fucks.
2: Final answer? No.
1: four fu- Three and a half. You know what? You're going to give Jumanji 3.75 fucks.
2: Is that your final answer? N- yes. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Jumanji had a great blend of action, adventure, and comedy, and it kept me entertained throughout the movie. The humor in particular was spot on. The chemistry among the cast, Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, and Karen Gillian was fantastic. They all brought their A-game and great comedic timing. Jack Black in particular, I felt it often stole the show with his hilarious portrayal of a teenage girl trapped in a middle-aged man's body. The movie also had some surprising heartfelt moments. The character's personal growth and the underlying message about friendship and self-acceptance were very well executed. It It added an emotional layer to the story that I really appreciated. The visual effects, they were all really well done. The action sequences were thrilling and the CGI work on the animals and the jungle environment was very impressive. It really brought the idea of a game world to life. Overall, I enjoyed Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. It was a fun filled adventure that paid homage to the original while while carving its own path. I definitely recommend it to others. The only issues I had with the movie was at times the pacing for me felt a little bit long, a little bit drawn out, like they were trying to fit a little bit too much into the movie, as well as I felt like the original characters outside of the game were at times a little bit underdeveloped. We could have gotten a little bit more from them to care about them a little bit more. But with that being said, I'm going to give Jumanji four solid fucks. It had minor flaws, but the entertainment value... And the stellar performances made up for it. Well, I was fucking close. You should have stuck with your first choice. Oh, I should have.
1: I should have. Uh, Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. I thought that this was a really fun ride. I thought that The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Karen Gillian did a fantastic job. I really enjoyed this flick, and I appreciate the the callbacks that they sent to the 95 version and just how they all tied it together. The script was smart. The soundtrack was good. The special effects were fun. The cast was great. I am giving Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, 4.25 fucks. With four solid fucks from the professor and the comic book guy and 4.25 fucks from yours truly, that gives Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle an average of 4.1 fuck, which puts it in the 10th spot, tied with Big Fish, Spider-Man No Way Home, and The Fifth Element. It is slightly better than Dodgeball, Zombieland, and Edge of Tomorrow, and slightly worse than Thor, Love and Thunder, The Breakfast Club, Top Gun Maverick, and The Big Lebowski.
2: Did you know that there was originally a different planned ending for this movie? No. Besides the idea of them kind of destroying it, the movie was supposed to end with... Uh, the, the game again, evolving into a phone app and then showing up on everybody's phone. But I like that they left it with the game being destroyed, which led into the next movie. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause obviously we saw a sequel coming
2: and apparently from the news that I'm reading, they're working on a third one.
1: Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. As long as they bring everybody back, it's fine. Mm hmm. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys and a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out the website. Speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us?
2: They can find us at www.threeguysandaflick.com, which is our website. You can go there. You can submit a movie that you would like us to review next. You can also find all of our podcasts and all of our show notes. You can also find us at any place that has social media or host
0: podcasts.
1: All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening.
0: Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie.
1: Thanks, Jill. And I want to say thanks to Jeff for throwing Jumanji into the helmet. I hope we did it justice for you. And I also want to thank anyone else who has suggested and who listens. If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
0: I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening.
1: Are you saying that we went along, went on too long?
2: Well, You guys were jibber jabbing. I wasn't gonna stop you.
1: Are you in a bad mood? I watched the wrong damn movie. Get over it. You can't go back. Do you have a DeLorean that'll take us back in time?
2: Sometimes I wish. Yeah. Do you,
1: I, I didn't ask you if you wish. Do you have a telephone booth? No. That you could, t- you know, Bill and Ted. No. Is there a big ball of lightning? Terminator.
2: No.
1: The TARDIS. Is the TARDIS a time machine? Yeah. Do you have? To, okay. So you get where I'm going with that dun 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 dun, dun.
2: <laughs> Yeah, he gets sucked way off, yeah. Into the game. <laughs>
1: oh, you're so subtle. They encounter Alex playing a fifth avatar. Pilot Jefferson seaplane McDou. McDonough. McDonough. Mc- McDonough. 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 Pilot
2: Alex. <laughs> I, I updated it for this movie. Oh, okay.
1: So is it still Lord of the Rings?
2: I'm not going to tell you. Well, why not? Because I want the surprise again, like with Jaws.
1: Um, We've already seen the shark, right? So this is like Jaws 2. Well, you're missing my point. My point is you already jumped the shark. So whether you tell us now or later, we know it's a change. Okay. So what is it?
2: (laughs) You'll find (laughs) out later. (laughs) I haven't thought of a good transition.
1: Well... We'd fucking help you if you would have told us what the fucking movie you're comparing it to. I, um,
2: we could all just sing in that one. That's what I was saying. But singing. then again, am I allowed to pick a musical?
1: No, you're not. Do You got one?
2: Uh, I do have one.
1: I have one. Do you have one? No.
2: <laughs> What's the one you have?
1: J.J. Welcome to the Hung Men. Mm.
2: No, I, I have two, but I'm going to... The first one I had I didn't care for as much, which is Jump on Her. I don't mind that one. The other one is Jumanji, Welcome to Jungle Fever.
1: Yeah, that sounds more like a, a bad Cinemax title. All right, may all of your uh, days and nights be filled with happiness. All right, fuck off, good night.